Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Another day here at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovee, it's always game day in Buffalo. Now we're hearing from prospects, actually speaking. Matt, as you and I stand here on a Thursday, and by the way, happy Leap Day, once every four years. Yeah, I didn't even know it was happening, right, until yesterday, and it was late, and people were like, oh, it's almost Leap Day tomorrow. And I was like, I don't know what that mean I mean I know what it means but I never even have really comprehended it but I found out when we were at the Pacers game and Tyrese Halliburton's birthday is today on a leap day so then it was like okay well if you're a prop bet person Tyrese Halliburton's about to have a birthday might be a good time to hit it so yeah that was fun going to the Pacers game was cool tell me about that what happened they won and basketball is incredible because the Pacers in the first quarter were up like 18 points or something and you're like oh it's gonna be a blowout and then at the end of the game it's like a three-point game in the last minute it just feels like that's the script in the NBA of how it all works out I'm not a huge basketball fan but I do casually enjoy going to NBA games because I think you don't have to know not a lot to still enjoy it which is why I liked it in a really really cool venue to a really cool arena this is a great basketball state, actually, obviously, with all the college basketball as well. It's a great convention state. That's why we're here. I, I was just um, marveling at the space here at the convention center when you walk out these doors. This isn't just a combine. This is a great area for it. And, you know, Matt, I think it'd be a shame if they move it out of Indianapolis because there's been talk about that. This is the perfect spot to have this. It's very centrally located. No matter what city you're in in the country, mm-hmm. you can get here pretty easily. People know it. I know you shouldn't just do something because it's always been that way, but this feels like one of those cases. So the convention center that we're in, for those of you who are in western New York who are listening to this or if you're in Rochester, whatever it is, it's the Buffalo Convention Center multiplied by what, 10? Is that probably, probably, right. probably how big it is? It covers up an entire city block. There are all these different wings. It's connected to like five different hotels with restaurants and bars. Everything you need is right here, and it's an easy trip for a lot of people, which is it, it's filled with – it's not just NFL media. It's college media talking to their players that are about to get drafted. It's player – or like officials from their schools to try and pump up the fact that they're getting drafted. It, it's everybody is here. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I don't want this thing to move out of Indianapolis. They do a great job. And shout out to Indianapolis because of that. The, the city knows how to do it right here at the NFL Combine. All right, so – there are prospects speaking today, and now we're looking at not an, the, the tight ends are at the, the podium here today. We're, the Bills aren't interested in that position. That's one that they have covered up. Defensive linemen, though, that is one. And I just wrote an article at WGR550.com about the state of the Bills' defensive tackle. And holy cow, Matt, seven defensive tackles at the end of the year, only two actually under contract right now. 
remember when we had a little bit of a disagreement about who we if we could throw out the rules and money yes. didn't matter, we should have said Chris Jones. Of course. We didn't. We said Mike Evans and we said whatever we were arguing about. But yes, defensive tackle is an area that no matter what they will address this offseason. Like there's not even a question. It's how do they address it? In my guess, they probably draft one fairly high. They probably go out and sign somebody. They probably bring back a couple of the guys that they had. We just did WGR together and I said, I think Daquan Jones is coming back. I am operating under the belief that Daquan Jones will be back with the Buffalo Bills next year. So then at the very least, you know you've got Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver, and then you fill in the pieces around that. But I could totally see them trying to bring back Tim Settle or trying to get Jordan Phillips to come back or whatever it is. I think they've got options. It's a priority, but it's not as big of a priority as wide receiver. Jordan Phillips hinted to the media, even said he might retire. We don't know. Now, if he does decide to play, I agree with you. I think that's an easy one-year deal to bring Jordan Phillips back if you want. He knows the system. Tim Settle, I don't think he played up to his contract over two years in Buffalo. If he wants to, you know, if he's interested and they're interested, again, don't pay a lot of money. Daquan's interesting. I was looking at his contract he signed in Buffalo. They paid him $7 million average over the last two years. I don't know if he gets that, Matt, but I don't think the Bills can afford that much again. Wouldn't you think that six would get it done coming off the injury? Maybe. I mean, I'd even go maybe lower than that. Can you get him for four or five? I'd be interested in that, but I don't know how much higher I want to go. He's also, he's 32, right? He's 32. So when you think about 32, what's the length of contract you feel comfortable giving to a guy at that point in their career two years at max i was gonna say two-year deal so if you can do a two-year 10 two-year 11 million dollar deal i think that's something the bills can absolutely especially for how prominent of a role he's going to play i know they rotate a lot there but daquan jones and ed oliver will be the guys who get the majority of the snaps if they're healthy so at that point i just think that that's a smart cost-effective move and then obviously the guys behind them at linebacker we saw some of them yesterday they're testing going on um today and this is not an area the bills have to address for the starters but there is some depth question marks including tyrell dodson who's going to be a pending free agent again i'd like to see tyrell dodson back he did some nice things but you wonder if there's a team out there and goes i can actually use this guy as a starter and he gets a little more than you anticipate i think you're right I think the other day on the podcast, I said I thought he would be able to come back for cheap. And the more I thought about it and the more conversations I had, the more I think that I was probably off base. I do think that there's going to be somebody out there who probably gives him a little bit more money than the Bills are willing to spend. And at that point, they might know what they think he is. And because they don't have an immediate need there, I don't think that they can get in any type of bidding war or even trying to compete with another team's offer because they have a very defined number one linebacker, number two linebacker. And those guys are both still... Well, Terrell Bernard's obviously really young, and Matt Milano's still got a lot of good football left as well. Don't forget Balen Spector coming back. I mean, they have him as a depth piece, and obviously Tyler made a Kevin. Dorian Williams. Of course. A third-round pick. I mean, it was literally just last year. His role should really increase next year. You would think. I mean, he's a great athlete. He's got a ton of potential. They just need to figure out what he is. We still don't exactly know that yet, but it's also only been one year. We didn't know what Terrell Bernard was at this time last year, so we could find that out soon. Speaking of linebackers, former Buffalo Bills, Oakland Raiders, and Jacksonville Jaguars linebacker Kirk Morrison, who's now a host on Sirius XM NFL Radio, joined us here from the NFL Combine. Former Bills linebacker Kirk Morrison joins us here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Kirk, it's great to see you and great to see your your uh, ascent in the media. <laughs> How are you enjoying being in the media? You've done it for a few years now. Yeah, you know what? It actually started when I was in Buffalo, you know, my last couple of years in the NFL. Um, you know, being a re, sort of a reserve linebacker my last couple of years and 
doing a lot of radio off the field. I kind of knew, like, man, this is really what I have a passion for. And also helping out my younger players when I was in Buffalo. So uh, I always knew that once I got done when I was retired, this is what I wanted to do. And it's been, it's been, a, it's been a fun rise ever since. I only, only have you for a couple minutes, so let's get right to it. People say, is the Bills window closed? I say, as long as you have 17, the window's not closed. How do you see that? Yeah, 100%. As long as Josh Allen's on your team, you've got the quarterback. You've got the, uh, what is it, the, uh, the chess piece that you need. But all this always keeping the guys around him who are able to go out there and play at a high level consistently. That's the only thing I've seen with their offense. That sometimes has been inconsistent. Now some may say it's because of Josh, his turnovers and that part. But I think the cohesiveness and having Joe Brady back again, that is going to help out not only Josh but this offense where everybody can just go play and not have to think. I think that's what's been the success of the Kansas City Chiefs is that they had the same offensive mindset. They've been able to just continue to do it. They play free. I think this is what's going to help out Josh Allen, Joe Brady, everybody. They can just go out there and play free. All the AFC East teams have interesting quarterback decisions coming up. Aaron Rodgers isn't a decision as much as his health, but how about Tua? And now there's rumors that maybe he could even get north of what a lot of people are expecting. What has that situation been for them? How do you see it playing out? Yeah, look, when we talk AFC East, it's a place that I know very well, playing in Buffalo, that everybody, it starts with the quarterback position. That, that division was so dominated by who? Tom Brady for many years, but now Josh Allen's the best quarterback in that division. Yes, I said that, over Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see what Aaron Rodgers has coming back. We'll see what the contract looks like for Tua, who played himself and was healthy this year. He played himself into an outstanding contract. You know, outside of that, I mean, you, you know, who, what are you going to really think about at the end of the year when you think about who's the best or who makes the most money? It doesn't really matter. It's about who's going to win and who's going to hoist that trophy. We know that Buffalo has a good shot at doing it. It's just about beating the Kansas City Chiefs at the end. We already know that. And then finally, the New England Patriots, a big change there. And from watching and seeing what they were and playing against Bill Belichick, totally different. And now they have a decision to make at number three, probably drafting a quarterback too. Yeah, they, they have to draft a quarterback because I don't think that what they have on their roster right now is anything that you feel confident about. This is not a team right now that you go in and say, you know what, they, 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 they check the box at quarterback. No, no, no. They have to figure something out. And at the end of the day, are they going to go with a veteran? Are they going with a rookie? That's where I think the Buffalo Bills have the upper hand in this division for another season. But can they get everything together, man? Could this be the year? That's why I say the window is still wide open, Sal. Hopefully they can get it done. Gerard Mayo and Antonio Pierce, good jobs. You next? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I'll just be a consultant, man. That's all I'm going to do. I, I can consult. I won't be the head coach, man. I right, love you, buddy. Thank right. you. Appreciate it. Always, Sal. Thanks. Thank you to Kirk Morrison. Still looks like he could probably get out on the field and make a couple big plays for a defense if they come calling. The Bills' defense for the last several years has been quarterbacked by two guys, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. How do you feel, we're recording this on Thursday morning, how do you feel about the chances that, uh, I'll say this, is there any chance they're both back? Yes, I think there's a chance. I don't think it's very strong at all. It's pretty darn minimal, but I would never rule it out considering the Bills' affinity for them, what they meant to the organization. The fact that Jordan Poyer still is under contract, let's remember that. They'd have to move on from him and release him, which they can and might do. I don't think either are back. I don't think the chances are strong at all, but I always think there's a chance because you just never know. I'm going to use this example, Matt. Last year, this time of year, heading into free agency, I thought there was no chance Jordan Poirier was coming back to the Bills. Yeah, he ultimately did. Yeah. Let me ask you this then. Is there any chance that Micah Hyde is back and they move on from Jordan Poirier? I think that's next to zero. Okay, I agree with you. I think the most likely outcome is that Micah retires and Jordan stays for one more year. I think the second most likely outcome is that neither of them are back. And then I think the least likely outcome is the one that I just laid out, which is Micah gets signed to a contract extension and they 
don't bring back Jordan Poyer for the last year of his contract. I don't see that happening. Maybe there's a chance they, there is still a chance they both come back, but I think it's pretty slim to none. I think the most likely outcome is neither are on the team. I think the second most likely is that Jordan Poyer is what Micah Hyde isn't. And then we get down the other outcomes. And the reason I say that is every time I hear Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott talk, they, they talk in the past tense about these guys. We also heard Brandon Bean say they're going to get younger at some positions. That's squarely to me right there. Now, maybe they just you know, want to keep Jordan around to help out and you know the safeties they have, the younger guys. But at the same time, I think we saw that you know these guys, age was catching up to them a little bit. Although, I think Jordan Poirier found a bit of, found a bit of a role as a nickel safety last year. He did. But is it worth paying that money to somebody who found a role as a nickel safety and kind of a flex player that they were using him has? I I guess that just depends on how you value that position. So I don't know the answer to that. All right, so how how do they attack safety then if they're going to replace them? Because here's number one likely outcome to me. Cam Lewis is a starter next year. I think Cam Lewis could very well start for this team. Now, they are still going to shop for safety. We know that. They still have Taylor Rapp, who is going to be a pending free agent. Damar Hamlin, under contract to me, not a guy that's going to actually, you know, be in the mix to start. But I think Cam Lewis is very likely to come back and maybe even start. Other than that, they're going to have to attack it. How do they do it? I think they use a draft pick on one of them. And I think they're, the second round is the area that you should start to wonder. It depends on what they do at defensive tackle as well. But Tyler Newbin is a name. I had a conversation with Matt Miller from ESPN, and he really liked this player. He's a safety from Minnesota. He can do a little bit of everything. There are, I think, three guys that are in the consensus kind of top 50. Now, none of them are probably going to be first-round picks. But it's uh, Kinchins, and he's from Miami. It's Newbin from Minnesota, and it's Bullock from USC. And by the way, Miami, Jamil Adai was just hired by the Bills as their corners coach. He would have familiarity with him. Yes, and I actually believe Josh Reed asked him about that. I was at the podium, so I couldn't exactly hear what the response was, but I believe that was a question that he was asked about. So those are three guys that it feels like I think two of the three, I don't remember which two, had said that they had talked to the Bills. But I also kind of under operate under the assumption that everybody has talked to every team because there's only 32 teams, and I think a lot of these guys are going with every single one of those teams so I think that there's a very real chance that if there is three guys that are kind of believed to be second round talents the Bills could get one of those guys and then it would be a resource well spent I know it's not the most important position but given the way the Bills play defense I'm totally okay with them using a second round pick on a safety if they think they're going to get a starter for four years out of it especially if you bring Jordan Poyer back because you could say okay we're gonna have Jordan Poyer and we're gonna have this young kid and this young kid is going to learn with Jordan Poyer for one year and then we can let him walk and then we'll just figure it out what we've got because like they can get back Cam Lewis if they want if Cam Lewis I think they can that's what I mean like they're going to be able to are you okay with Cam Lewis starting at safety next year I don't know because they've had such good safety play that it's hard to envision the team without great safety play, and I don't know how much of a drop-off there is. I just remember the Dolphins game from two years ago, week three, the really hot game, when they didn't have Poyer and they didn't have Hyde, and they were just getting beat over the top. And There was a really big play at the end of the game to Waddle that kind of got Miami into range. They score a touchdown a couple plays later. Yes, but I don't know if I, I think would. it was Lewis and Hamlin on the field at that play. I I don't know if I feel great about them as every down. Maybe if you have Poyer next to him, but if Poyer's a little bit slower and Cam Lewis has never been a full-time starting safety, I don't know how comfortable I feel with those guys. Speaking of Tua and a play he made down the field, let's talk about Tua and some league issues going on here. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Matt, buzz is starting to grow around the Indiana Convention Center that Tua is going to be signed to a contract soon, and maybe even more than a lot of us expected. Maybe he's actually going to kind of outshoot what a lot of people thought he might get from the Dolphins. I've seen a couple contract projections, and they're pretty wild. I mean, he's yeah. going to get paid more money than Josh Allen. He's Maybe, to, and that's wild. I, I think he is going to get – I'm not saying he should, right. but he is going to get paid more money. And when you think about it, Josh Allen – in a month is going to be like the 13th highest paid That's quarterback. That's the way it works. So it's funny because you hear all of these people talk about the bill salary cap. Yeah, it's not as in good of shape as it once was because they're paying a guy. But in a couple of years, it's going to be pretty good compared to a lot of the other quarterbacks that are getting paid even more money. You win one, then all of this goes away. Nobody's ever complaining about the salary cap position that they've put themselves in. But, yeah, I think Tua is going to get paid a lot of, a lot more money than I think people anticipate. Yeah, and they have some challenges on their hands for sure. And we talked with Travis Wingfield in the last pod about that. By the way, check it out. Great stuff with Travis Wingfield for the Dolphins, Andrew Siciliano. And you can find all those podcasts right here wherever you're listening to this one. It's always game day in Buffalo. The other thing that's come out over the last couple of days is this story between the Chiefs and the Jets. Now, here's what happened, folks. Apparently... Nicole Hardman, who was on the Chiefs, went to the Jets, traded back to the Chiefs. He did a, a uh, podcast, a video uh, interview, an interview with um, Ryan Clark of The Pivot. And he said, they said, hey, what went wrong in the Jets? He goes, well, you know, he started talking about special teams. He didn't want to return punts. They wanted him to. He had a bit of a beef going out with the special teams coach. He said, on record, then he talked to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and said, come get me. And they traded for him. So now you're talking about tampering. The Jets were asked about it. And Joe Douglas said, basically, let's just say we are obviously, you know, aware of it and not happy about it. The Jets. There was that big story in The Athletic a couple months ago about all of the dysfunction happening with the Jets. And I know that they dealt with their quarterback getting injured after four plays and things went off the rails quickly. But has Aaron Rodgers really ever been... Mr. Stability, Mr. Not a lot of noise around him, and things are calm and quiet. I, I just, I, I don't know what they. Do. Their offensive line is still such a concern. Aaron Rodgers coming off of a season-ending injury at his age, sure he will be much, much better than what they had last year. But still, I don't know how much he has left in the tank. And then after that, it's like, yeah, they've got Garrett Wilson, yeah, they got Brees Hall. The defense is really good, but what has that gotten them? Like, I, I don't know. I just. I'm not really buying any of the Jets fans that are... What do you think about the tampering situation, possibly, with the, the Chiefs one I just laid out? Incredible. If it's true... I mean, the, didn't, didn't the... Well, it, he said it. He He's on record and said, I reached out to Reed and Mahomes and said, come get me. And they traded for him. Yeah. He's well, under contract. Yeah, well... The Dolphins just got docked a first-round pick for tampering with Tom Brady two years ago. Yes. I don't think that that would be... I agree. I don't think that that's that case. I mean, if they if they're... I guess we need to know exactly what happened, right? I mean, he goes to a place, he's not being utilized, he's unhappy, they're unhappy because they're paying him a bunch of money. Maybe they said, hey, if you don't want out. Apparently not from what Joe Douglas said. This is an issue that's going to be resonating on the league here. Some other issues resonating around the league. One other thing. Did you hear Joe Douglas asked about the Michael Clemens-Deon Dawkins beef? I did. I'm still confused on his answer. 
I kind of thought that he He's was, agreeing with Dion? Yeah, watching the clip and reading the quote, I kind of thought that. I mean, maybe I'm just reading it wrong, but it didn't feel like he was immediately defending his player, which once again goes to what is going on with the Jets. Can you, just so everybody's aware, kind of go through what Dion said in the best way you can without... You know, having to use the language he did. He had issue with many of the members of the... This was on Vlad TV. I'm, it's not something I'm familiar with until I saw the pit, uh, clip start to pop up all over the place. But he basically had issue with almost everybody on the Jets defense and said that they play football to be cool for the Instagram posts and they don't play the right way and they don't respect their competitors and that the respect doesn't go both ways and kind of was just really talking a lot of trash about everybody, but I believe he... specifically ruled out Quinn and Williams. He was like, Quinn and Williams is good. Everybody else, though, here's what I have to say. And his big issue was with number 72, Michael Clemens, who I think was a draft pick, like two years, a fourth-round pick a couple years ago. And then they had uh, almost a fight in the tunnel after the game. We had front-row seats to that with a lot of things that we are not allowed to say on a podcast, but they were screaming at each other, being held back from each other. So I don't know what happened before that. I'm sure they're joined at each other on the field. It's weird because for as dominant as the Bills have been in the AFC East over the last four years, the Jets have always kind of given them problems. So it feels like those matchups are even more chippy than they are with the Dolphins, certainly, and definitely the Patriots. I don't really remember any animosity over the last four years with the Patriots. There's some with the Dolphins for sure. Christian Wilkins and him and Josh Allen's beef. That goes back. But it is interesting, too, uh, when he went through that and he talked about it, he did it without a shirt on, and Sauce Gardner was quick to say, wait, we do it for the posts and the Instagram, you do in this interview without your shirt on. This is going to be fascinating between the Bills and Jets. By the way, speaking of the Jets, going back to Michael Hardman, how about the accusation from people that's out there now, and I think Connor Hughes might have written about it, and even Sauce tweeted something about it and deleted it, that Michael Hardman might have leaked their offensive game plan to the Chiefs and the Eagles when they played them. If it's true... <laughs> It would be so – I mean, you would never want somebody on your team doing that. No. But if it's true, it is just so – it is just the juiciest – it would be amazing. I mean, but I I, want to know at this point, are people just slinging mud on each other? Are people just mad because of the way it worked out and Mecole Hardman going and winning a Super Bowl and all the stuff that we were just talking about? Or is there actually validity to this? But, like, oh, my gosh, if that's actually happening – you need to figure out something in your organ. I don't understand why Joe Douglas is back at this point. Like, why is Joe Douglas back? Why is Robert Sala back? What have they done? I guess because they can go to the owner and say, look, we, you wanted, we all wanted Aaron Rodgers, and it didn't work out. you got to give us another year. I guess that's what they're holding on to. Didn't Joe Douglas draft Zach Wilson? He did. Oh, okay. So you yep. get to hold out. You get to make that mistake, and then you get to go all in on a quarterback. I mean, it's not like – I, I just don't. I don't see it. I don't understand it. I feel like Robert Tella is a really good coach, but he has not accomplished anything as a head coach of the Jets. Maybe he will. I know he hasn't had talented offenses, but it just makes you wonder. It feels like they do the same thing over every year. There's an excuse. Every year it's like, okay, well, the quarterback isn't good. Once we get a good quarterback, then it's okay. Well, the quarterback gets hurt. Well, what you drafted the guy who wasn't good with the second overall pick, and now you're going to trade him for like a seventh-round pick. You and I... Hopefully we'll talk to Mike North again, the schedule maker. After all this, are we looking at Bills, Jets again, opening weekend, maybe this time in Buffalo? No. 
I don't think so. Ooh. I think the Bills are going to open the season at home. That is one take that I have about the schedule. Because it's been on the road the last two years. been on the road the last two years. They started the season in primetime both years. The first game of the year against the Rams where they won, and then the Monday Night Football game that they lost, which was like just a game that I don't even remember because so many things happened in that game. I think they'll start it at home. I don't know who they'll start it against, but I don't know if it would be. the. T- I don't think – I know Rodgers coming back will be a big story, but I don't think it's nearly as big as it was last year just because of the way last year happened, basically. All right, buddy. Well, um, this has been fun, and we've been coming – you know, add everybody from Indianapolis on this podcast. So next time we talk, it won't be here. It'll be back in Buffalo. But uh, yeah, Can I give a prediction. Yeah, how sick of a first game would it be? Bills Niners. So I brought this up with um, Mike Shope on WGR, and he feels. I think his reaction was that's just too big to put on opening weekend. You put that later in the year in a nice primetime spot. Is that bigger than Bills Jets last year where they put it on opening weekend? I agree with you, I think. I don't I wouldn't rule it out. I, I just think that that would be a, a really monster Monday night football game between two really good here's the thing. It's a really big game because of the two teams, the two fan bases, the exposure that they both have. It's really not that big of a game. It's an AFC team versus an NFC team, two teams that are very good that can absolutely get over the fact if they start the season with a loss. I think it's a really good storyline. All right. That's the uh, schedule release that we're already talking about. It's going to come out in like over two months from now, yeah. but there's never a bad time to talk schedule release. We can do that. In the meantime, we're going to talk about a lot more about the combine, the prospects, things we saw, what the Bills are going to do, and it's always game day in Buffalo. Keep it right here on this, uh, wherever your podcasting platform. Next time we'll talk to you pretty soon next week.